Welcome to the Infertile Mafia. That's Kayla. And that's Sarah. And today we are so excited to have a very special guest with us. We have Karen from Hilariously Infertile on Instagram. And she's joining us on the podcast today. She's she's had a big day, a big week. She just released a brand new book. Uh, self-published called Hilariously Infertile, One Woman's Inappropriate Quest to Help Women Laugh Through Infertility. And we're going to share some of the book with you, with our listeners today. We're really excited about it. But first, we want to give you a little glimpse into Karen. So I took this straight from your website, Karen. Part teacher, part mom, part wife, fully inappropriate, and forever infertile. (laughs) So, like many women, Karen was diagnosed with PCOS and sought treatment from a fertility specialist to conceive. So, before we get into your book and the other fun things going on in your life, I want you to talk to us about your infertility history. Okay, so uh, I had... Well, hi everyone. First of all, sorry. Um, <laughs> I had I had no idea that I had PCOS at all. I was on birth control since I was a teenager, um, and prior to birth control, everyone, all the doctors asked me like, "Did you get regular periods?" I'm like, "I don't, I don't remember." Like, I mean, I was an athlete and thin, but I, I don't remember having irregular periods. So I assumed that I had regular periods, you know. Um, so I had no idea. We went off birth control and uh, we, my husband and I just started having, you know, unprotected sex and I just wasn't getting my period for months and months and months. And I mean, I'm still kind of like as in seventh grade in that <laughs> at that point, because I didn't know anything. And I was like, well, if you have unprotected sex and you don't get your period, then you're pregnant. Like, you know, like A plus B equals C. Like that's how it happens, has to happen. But I wasn't pregnant and I kept getting all these negative pregnancy tests, but I wasn't getting my period. So I didn't understand um, what was happening to me at all. And I finally, after months and months of, of that, I... Uh, I started getting an ovulation kit that was showing me that I was ovulating when I wasn't because I was never getting my period. Um, I finally went to the doctor and I was like, this is probably normal, right? Like I'm just getting off birth control. And she was like, no, this is not normal. This is just my, my regular OBGYN. So she put me on Clomid and nothing happened. I didn't ovulate. She put me on Clomid again. Nothing happened. I didn't ovulate again. And after that second month, she called me and left me a voicemail. I remember it was a Friday afternoon. She left me a voicemail and she said, I think that you have something called PCOS and I would like you to go see a fertility specialist um, at NYU right down the street. And but it was a Friday and she was like, and bye, like, peace out. I'm (laughs) not going to be in the office for the rest of the afternoon. And I was like. I was a mess. First of all, I was like, I'm pretty sure that violates a lot of HIPAA <laughs> laws. But um, but second of all, like, I just didn't know what that meant. So I started to Google and I, I mean, I was a wreck. I was hysterical. I almost threw my computer across the room because all I saw was infertile, infertility, not able to have kids, unable to conceive. Um, and I was just, I was just, it was like, I don't know, it was the worst thing someone could possibly tell you when, when not only have you been trying, but every month you've actually thought you were pregnant because you weren't getting your period. Um, it was horrible. And then 
we went to the fertility specialist and he explained what PCOS was, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And he explained that it's bad because I have a lot of eggs, but it's good because I have a lot of eggs. Um, but it's the bad thing is that no one egg can grow and become dominant to then, you know, to ovulate. And so the way I kind of picture it is like, like an overgrown garden. Like you can't, nothing can grow if there's too much of everything, you know? And he showed me my ovaries and I, I mean, the amount, I remember being like, oh my God, like they're everywhere. Like there was just so many cysts. Um, so we started with IUIs. My first IUI failed. I drank a bottle of wine that night because I was so upset. The second IUI um, did not fail. That was a success. That was my first daughter, Zoe. Um, I actually had the IUI in New York and then immediately got on a plane, basically ran through LaGuardia, ran through O'Hare, got to Prentice Hospital to see my, to see my nephew be born because he was born on that day, which was kind of crazy. Um, and, then, and then Zoe was born in November. When my first daughter was around 18 months old, we wanted to start trying for my second. It was interesting because everyone in my, I was always very open about my infertility. Obviously, I'm an oversharer. That's like what I do. So um, my, everyone around me and my friends, my family, they all said, oh, it'll be easy the second time. Like now your body will just know what to do. Like you won't have these problems. It'll be easy. And I just, I just knew, like, I just knew that that wasn't going to be the case for me. Um, And I was, oh, I was ready. You know what I mean? Like I was okay with that. We did um, five rounds of Clomid, but four IUIs because the first round didn't do anything. Um, And none of the IUIs worked. So then we decided to go forward with IVF um, during like one of the busiest parts of the year, which was December for, for me is very, very busy. It is a busy month for everyone. Um, but it's also really busy for, for me because we have parent teacher conferences and I have 40 students. So like it was, I was hosting Christmas. Like it was just like, <laughs> it was totally crazy. So we did IVF um, in that December and uh, we got 17 fertilized embryos. Um, day five blastocysts, which is a lot. Whoa, that is they a had, lot. yeah, it's a lot. They had 33, I had 33, um, like original follicles that turned into like 26 embryos. And then by day five, there was 17. Um, so we put one of them in and that's my second, it, it worked the first round. And that's my second daughter, Abby, who is going to be three in September. Oh, so yeah, so that's that's my story. Are you gonna do any more transfers? Or are you done? I I think we're done. I mean, we we still have those embryos. I, I joke that um, that we're like the Duggars, but just <laughs> they're on ice because we pretty much are. Um, but I think I think we're pretty much done. We uh, we haven't gotten to the point where we're ready to like donate the embryos to science because that was one of the things that we said that we would donate them to um to embryologists you know um we haven't done that yet i think just in case but um i think most like we're like 98 percent sure that we're good 
you know? Mm -hmm. So I think if we lived in a different, I mean, we live outside New York City, which is a very expensive place to live. And, you know, we have friends and, and some family here, but we don't have like a huge network of support system here. So I think it's, um, I think it's hard for like, if you, if we were to live in like, I mean, my husband always is looking for jobs everywhere, but if we were to move to New Hampshire and like have a bigger house and land, like I'd be like, yeah, let's pop them in. Let's thaw them out, you know? <laughs> but but for now, I think I think we're good. You could move to a farm in, in Kansas or something. I know, I know. And just like, you could have horses, because like horseback ride, I'm like, I know. But both of our <laughs> both of our jobs are here and we don't have jobs anywhere else. So we're kind of stuck right now. Uh, I know so, yeah. that they always need teachers, but you know, the Kansas educational system. That's true. Not so great. <laughs> <laughs> That's an incredible fertilization. Uh, I know, that what, was crazy. Yeah, that That's is insane. Awesome. I. I mean, I'm trying to think of someone else who would have that many, but like, did you get OHSS? You know what? I didn't. They thought that I was going to, and um, I was in a lot of pain after my retrieval, and no one really told me that, like, so I took, obviously, that day off, because you have to, Mm -hmm. Um, and I went home and I rested, and the next day I went to work, and I'm not kidding, I could... I could barely walk. Like I was, every step I took was like reverberating throughout my whole body. And like, I was in so much pain. And I also looked like I was six months pregnant because I was Mm -hmm. so bloated. And I was like, I, like I was crying, walk, almost crying, walking down the hall to my classroom. Like I was looking up and like, Oh my God. Like it was, it was awful. And like, people were like, yeah, when you have that many follicles, like you can't go to work the next day. And I'm like, well, I didn't know that. And no one told me that, first of all. And second of all, like, I also, when you're going through infertility, like you take a lot of days off, you know, like I took it, you know, you take days off for, for the inseminations. You take days off for your IVF orientation class. You take days off for the HSG. Like there's just so many times where, and I'm like, I just can't take another day off. And, and I have actually written down many times, like that's a big piece of advice. Like if you have a lot of follicles retrieved, like take the, take the day, take the next day off because that was really, really hard. And I was almost like, I was on the, I think on the verge of being over hyperstimulated because I called the doctor the next night and I was like, I'm in so much pain. Like, this is not okay. And she was like, it will be okay. It will go down. Like, I think they like brought me right to the edge, you know? (laughs) And then like, and then they're like, you'll be okay. Because, and it did, it went down and I was able to do a fresh, a fresh transfer. But I remember when she was like, and if it doesn't, then we'll have to wait another month. And I was like, oh my God, you know, Mm because you just want it to be over. Um, and I didn't know that it was going to take, so I was like, another month would be another month. And then if that one doesn't work, you know, you go, you go through all the scenarios in your head. Well, and it feels like in the, in the grand scheme of things, that one month feels like a year, but you know, when you look back on it, it's like, it's just, what's one more month when you've been trying for that long, but but when you're in it, it's unbearable. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that history with us, Karen. I wanted to let everyone know how we found you, and then I wanted you to maybe talk a little bit about your social media platform, because if you guys don't know who Karen is uh, via Instagram, her name is at hilariously underscore infertile, and that's how we both found you. Um, 
she's kind of a big deal, just so you guys know. (laughs) Um, If you don't follow her, definitely do, because she has such a funny Instagram account that's like, it's just, it spoke to Sarah and I especially because we're like like you we like to find the humor in this situation instead of like everything about infertility is such a downer and it's such a drag and so it's so refreshing when you come across someone who's looking at it from that kind of perspective so I wanted you to talk a little bit about your inspiration for your book and I because I know that all like kind of snowballed from one Point with your husband so you can talk about that but before we do that I wanted to share a quick excerpt from your website which is hilariouslyinfertile.com because I when so I found you on Instagram and then I checked out your website and I read the first paragraph and I was like okay I need to be friends with this person this is so funny <laughs> so right at the beginning you're describing a little bit about your history like you just did And then you wrote, quote, Now here's the really annoying part. I have two kids. Bitch! (laughs) And I just thought that was so funny because you know what it's like to be an infertile person and talk, you know, like, anyone with kids is automatically annoying. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah, for sure. And that's why, because I, I mean, I do have, I do, sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but I, I do have two kids and, and I know that, that that's hard, you know, and, and I, I never wanted to hide that. And I wanted that to be, you know, right out there in the beginning of, especially on the first page of my website. Um, and the bitch part is because like, I know, like, like, bitch, like, like, (laughs) you know, yeah. I mean, that's how, that's the reaction. And it's like, I get that, but like, I'm still here to help you, you know? So it's like, you yeah. can call me a bitch and it's okay. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just recently saw an IGTV that you did talking about, I guess maybe you had some haters like saying that you were hiding your kids or like weren't being authentic because you never talk about them. And you address that, which I'd like you to do now too, because Sarah and I both have kids and we very rarely talk about them on the podcast for the same reason we know our audience (laughs) and we want to be supportive of that so maybe talk to me about that for yeah so I mean I think people were just I I don't you know I hate to say haters I think people were just confused and they thought that I wasn't being very open about the fact that I that I do have kids and that like I have this thing the way I live my life like I don't I don't lie (laughs) first of all I'm horrible at it and second of all I just don't do it and and when someone says like oh she's not being open or honest like I I really take that kind of not personally but I really want to 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 clear the air basically because I was like no like this is what it is I've I've always said it you know as you said at the top of the podcast you know part teacher part mom like it's been out there since day one and it's on my website um the only reason why I don't talk about my kids is because for me it's very important to stay on message and the message of my platform and of my book and my social media and my website of everything is to help people laugh a little bit through infertility and talking about my kids is not going to help you laugh through your infertility, you know? So, and I, and I know that, um, you know, I love my children and I, uh, but I, I just, it's, this is not the, the place for them. And I think that that's, that's okay. Um, I also, 
um, and I've said this on the on the IGTV, like I try really hard when I am taking videos to not have anything in the background that's child related, um, to not hear my kids in the background. I don't have pictures of my children because again, this this platform is is for women, men and women who are trying to get a little bit of levity through infertility treatments. And I just wanted to really stay on message. And that's very important to me. So yeah. Ditto. Yeah, yeah, same. We agree. <laughs> so the inspiration for your book, it, it came from your husband saying that you were funny. That's nice that he thinks you're funny. You know. Yeah, he does. He does think I'm funny. He um, so we were like doing dishes and cleaning up the kitchen one night. And uh, I was telling him, do you want to talk about this? I don't know. if Go for it. Um, so, so I was telling him, I was like, well, you know, like one of our family friends, her follicles are up to 17 millimeters. I was like, so she's probably gonna have her IUI on Sunday. And I was like, and -and so-and-so is ovulating. So it's go time for them. Like I was telling him all this stuff and he was like, okay, like (laughs) he's like, I don't need to know about Jen and Allison's monthly cycles. Thank you. He was like, but he's like, you should really write a book about this. And I was like, ha, that's really funny. And and I was like, I don't even read books. Like, <laughs> and, and he was like, no, like you, I really think you should. I really think there's a market for people out there. And I, and clearly you're helping your friends and some of your family members. And I think that you would be able to help people. And I was like, ah, whatever, let's get a glass of wine and go watch TV. Like, I didn't think anything of it. And then I don't know. I don't even know how, how many days later I just opened up my laptop one day and I just started writing and then it just kind of kept going and kept going and kept going. And I didn't really know what it was like. That was my question in the beginning. And this was in 2015. No, sorry. This was in 2016. Um, in the spring of 2016, I I didn't know what it was. I kept saying, what is this, though? Like, is it is it a blog? Is it? Is it a book? Is it just me complaining and having a weird diary that's on my computer? Like, I didn't know what it was. And so I sent it to a friend of mine and, and she was like, I don't know what it is. Cause she like, she followed bloggers and stuff. And I didn't even, I wasn't on social media. I didn't, I don't follow bloggers. And she was like, I don't know what it is, but you need to keep going. You have to keep going because it's funny and whatever it is, like, just keep writing and see what happens. And so she was the first person I sent it. I showed it to like I didn't even show it to my husband at first. And then uh, um, I kept going and I kind of organized my thoughts into chapters a little bit more. And then I showed it to my husband and he was like, "Okay." he was like, this is not exactly the self-help book that I was thinking about when I told you to do this, but, um, he said, but, but it was funny and he's like, you should definitely keep going. And I was, and so then it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, so yeah. That's, that's nice that he's so supportive. Yeah. Yes. He's very, very, very supportive. And then, and then I didn't know, like once I had it done, which was very short time later, it was like four or five weeks later that took me to write the whole thing. I was like, oh, I'm going to send it out to some agents. And <laughs> in my in my naivete of like, you do you have to be famous basically to get a book published? Like, I didn't know or sleeping with someone in publishing, what? which I'm not. <laughs> um, I know. Yeah, I was like, mm. so so then um, so then I started sending it to agents, and every agent 
first of all, not a lot of people wrote back, but the ones who did write back said, we just don't think it's a big enough market. We just don't think it's a big enough market. And that's what they kept saying. And that was what really fueled my fire. And that's what I was then, like then from every day then on, I was like, it's a huge market. And that's the problem because the issue is, is that no one is talking about it. Like these, these couples or women, men and women are suffering in silence and no one knows about it because no one's talking about it because it's, and it is, there's such a huge market. And I was like, that is the problem, you know? Mm-hmm. So when did you, so that's when, sorry. so when did you start your Instagram compared to writing the book and sending it out to agents and stuff like that? So, yeah, so so I think I started writing the book um, like in, you know, January, February of 2016. Um, then I started I was sending it out to agents in like March or yeah, February, March, April. Then um, I realized that that wasn't going anywhere fast. And a friend of mine was like, you need to have a website. You need to have social media. You need to start building the platform. And I mean, I didn't even have a, a personal Facebook account because I'm a school teacher and I didn't want my my students to follow me so I didn't have I didn't have anything and I was like no I hate social media I'm never on social media and they were like no this is how you have to do it so I started the website and I put chapters of my book on the website and then um and then I started social media I think it was like around the end of April um of 2016 and I asked my my stepniece, my sister's stepdaughter, um, Natalie, who's a you know freshman in college at the time, to help me because she was like, Karen, this is you need to use hashtags. And I was like, I don't know what a hashtag is. <laughs> so she helped me like figure things out on Instagram, and then it just kind of that's when then it really started to roll from there. So, yeah, these kids that's know what they're doing. Incredible for right. <laughs> just get a millennial if you need anything. Yeah, exactly. Because it was funny because I had, I think I had like like four followers or like something like that. Like it was like, it was like my husband and like my two girlfriends and that was it. And then, um, and then I called Natalie and I was like, I need your help. Da, 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 da. And within like, I don't know, like within 24 hours, I had like, I don't know, a hundred some odd followers. And I, and I showed my husband and she was like, he said, what did she do? And I was like, I don't know. She just sprinkled magic teenage dust on it. Like I have no (laughs) idea what she did. And so then, then we, you know, started working together and I started realizing like that you have to have hashtags and stuff like that. So, so yeah, so that's what, that's how it kind of all started. For someone who doesn't know much about social media that's incredible because almost 50,000 followers later you're going strong on Instagram yeah I know which is crazy and that's what I think like people don't understand because they're like they say like they see the number and they're like oh she's a big deal and I'm like no you have no idea like I'm just a normal person who still like doesn't really know what she's doing (laughs) but but it's it's working and people are enjoying it and that's really all that matters to me right I think you have such a strong following because of the content because again people are craving that because they want to find some ray of hope like or something to laugh at in this situation and so it's really speaking to people and it's just so great I think people think Thank it's you. funny because it's true <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah which is the sad thing I guess 
right yeah. but yeah. i mean yeah. it is really funny i i can't remember how i found you it was just random and i was like that's a funny meme because most <laughs> of your posts are memes yes did you know what a meme yeah, was before starting <laughs> instagram no no i had no idea i didn't know anything <laughs> yeah. that's so great they're hilarious <laughs> hence the name yeah yes um and speaking of let's dive into your book a little bit which by the way everyone again it's available now on amazon again it's called hilariously infertile a woman's inappropriate guide to oh my goodness i'm gonna mess it up karen finish the title for me (laughs) one woman's inappropriate quest to help women laugh through infertility there we go thank you (laughs) yeah i know the subtitle is kind of lengthy (laughs) (laughs) if you type in hilariously infertile it'll come up yeah because there's not that much else out there that's funny about infertility. Like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get started on the book, I had a question about your students. Do you have to teach uh, the beginning sex ed to them in fourth grade? You know what? We don't, actually. Thank goodness for that. They get um, a puberty talk in fifth grade. And and I'm not like the the homeroom teachers. Actually, I don't know if the fifth grade homeroom teachers are are even involved in that talk. But um, but it's it's typically like the nurse and the school psychologist and the school social worker. But yeah, thank goodness for that because I'd be like, okay, guys, well, let me. me tell you all about this. Yeah. I think you'd be great to teach sex ed to kids. <laughs> you could just refer them to your Instagram account. Well, they, I know. They'd be sitting there horrified. They'd be like, what do you have to do to get pregnant? And then, <laughs> I know, and then right? they'd all have teenage pregnancies. Why are there needles yeah. involved? Yeah. Cause, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they'd be like, it's um, hard to get pregnant, guys. Yeah. <laughs> when they're like 15, 16-year-olds. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so now we're going to have Karen share a few excerpts from her book. The first one she's going to share with us is from that infamous ultrasound wand, affectionately known as Wanda. (laughs) Yes, Wanda. Um, So, yeah, this excerpt is from, um, like, one of my first wanding sessions. I undress from the waist down, hop onto the table, and once again, put those feet in the stirrups. Say hello, vagina. Don't be shy, vagina. The doctor <laughs> comes into the room and asks me some bedside manner questions and pretends to actually be listening, be listening to the answers, even though he or she is not. They look at my chart, and before I can say, hi, I'm Karen, they have a lubricated wand so far up my cooter that I'm pretty sure I can taste last night's sushi dinner again. Hmm, <laughs> is that spicy tuna roll? They first leave the wand in the middle and press buttons on the ultrasound machine. I later learned that they were measuring my uterine lining at this time. Then, sometimes with warning, but mostly without warning, they shove the wand to the right so much so that I almost fall off the table in that direction. (laughs) I hold on to that faux leather cushioning. What material is that? And I pray to God that I do not fall off the exam table while the doctor has her, his or her hand attached to the wand that is practically knocking me over. 
they look at that ovary, measure, press buttons, and then whoosh over to the other side. And oops, almost off the table I go. I give a little smile like, it's okay. I didn't need that ovary anyway. You're the <laughs> fertility doctor, right? You can get me pregnant without that one ovary that you just bludgeoned out of my body, right? <laughs> they smile back and say slowly, some light pressure. Light pressure? The tip of my of the wand that you inserted into my vaginal canal is practically touching my hip bone. My hip bone. Think about it, people. That's like some crazy Cirque du Soleil shit. Not really my <laughs> idea of light pressure. So I smile back as I hold on for dear life and stare at the ceiling while taking deep breaths as if I'm in Lamaze class. Wait, if this is just morning monitoring, what's actual childbirth going to be like? <laughs> nice. It's going to yeah. suck. That, that's, it's going to yeah. yeah, Yeah, it's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah. That, I feel like everyone has, that's a like, rite of passage at the fertility clinic, that first ultrasound exam where you're like, you're sticking that thing where? I mean, <laughs> it looks so intimidating. Okay, it looks so intimidating. First of all, they're so like, some of them are really gentle. Some of them are like, like super mm-hmm. aggressive with it. And I just remember, and I think I talk about it in the next section, like I remember looking at that wand and being like, hmm. Like, that looks like something that could be a fun time, right? Like, (laughs) it's the right shape, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, why was that not fun at all? (laughs) It was awful. They need to make it vibrate somewhere and then maybe... Or light up or something, yeah. Something. That would at least distract you. Right. Yeah. I think one of the... um, one of the Instagram posts that caught my eye that you did was with a picture of the wand and then like, who is the wand? And you've got like different pictures of celebrities. <laughs> we actually talked about that on an episode. It was the a long first episode, ago. I think. Well, oh, really? Yeah. It was before yeah. our obsession with criminal minds. Right. Ah, uh, Shamar Moore. Because we were probably. like, who's Shamar Moore? I don't know who he is, but he's super hot. Now we both love him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> love him yes but that's great yeah picture picture uh who, who would the wand be today for you right now karen if you had to go Ooh, to the fertility doctor that is <laughs> such a good question um probably still shamar more <laughs> probably still yeah. shamar more i mean i just yeah probably we've mentioned him so many times on this podcast i feel like he should so many him so much press like every yeah. episode it's kind of weird how many times we should come him. on this podcast he should he he really he should, should. Shamar, if you're listening he'd, he'd yeah. probably be like why am i here <laughs> like, why am i talking about ovaries we just <laughs> good looking <laughs> yeah. Just stand there and Can look I? pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the hangout and the Google Hangouts? We all see each other and that's really all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's the next one about? The next one is, um, it's about the blue cloth. Um, and, uh, sorry, I'm looking at the next one. Yeah. The next one's about the blue cloth, which I think is also such a weird, so weird, that whole blue cloth that they put over you. So. Mm-hmm. Wait, yours was actually cloth? Because usually mine's no. just paper. Well, um, 
Yes, sometimes it was cloth. Like we had, um, yeah, it was. It was. It was cloth. Like some of them are just paper, but um, at my clinic, it was. It was cloth. You had a fancy yeah. clinic. I th- Super I fancy. I, had, I think I had real cloth too. You were no, at a I fancy clinic it. too. Mine was just paper. <laughs> just paper. That They're paper like, that gonna... like is the noisiest paper ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the thing they stick around your neck at the dentist. <laughs> it is. Yeah. They need little clips like they have at the dentist to clip to your, you know, because we really need modesty. You're thinking, yeah. Kayla. <laughs> That's it. I know. I just started watching The Handmaid's Tale, which like now I'm like obsessed with it. But I got to the episode where very in the beginning, I think it's like episode four or so, where she goes to the doctor um, and the blue cloth is like a blue partition in the, oh. in the, in the room. And I mean, it's not blue. It's sorry. It's white, but it's like, but I'm like, Oh my God, that's the blue cloth. I talk about that. Like, why are we <laughs> separating it? And it's like, like she can't even see the doctor. Like when, when he walks in, she can't, it's completely separating her, um, from him completely in the room, like a full partition. And it's just, but like her legs and her vagina is on one side and her torso is on the <laughs> other and it's just I just found it so interesting because I was like oh my god I talk about that (laughs) but like not to that extent obviously yeah so yeah so the blue cloth as I look at the ultrasound wand I think that it looks like it could be used for pleasure so why was this experience so not pleasurable the doctor tells me to wait for the call from the nurses and they will tell me what to do Once the blood results come in for the day, they take the information from my blood and from my ultrasound and determine what my plan is for the next few days. The call. The call normally came any time between my busiest, the busiest part of my day and the, are you fucking kidding me right now? I have to take this call part of the day. The call never came when I was sitting, eating a sandwich alone at my desk. Never. Not for me. For me, the call came between 1 and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I acknowledged to the doctor that, yes, indeed, I will wait for the call. It's not as if I'm about to hop on a plane to Bora Bora. I stand up, and with the blue cloth that was just covering me, I wipe away the abundance of lube, (laughs) like an 18th century whore, if 18th century whores were allowed lube. And seriously, now I'm starting to feel bad for 18th century whores. (laughs) But why do they give you that blue cloth anyway? I really don't know. I'm naked and you're down there chilling like a villain with my vagina. Why are we covering it up? Is it to depersonalize the vagina? So if we put this blue drape between the woman's torso and her vagina, then we will just see the vagina, said a man somewhere we won't see the woman that we're talking to and smiling awkwardly at (laughs) so true so true does the blue cloth make anyone feel better i'm curious you know what i actually i have had some followers that have said that they that they do like the blue cloth like they Mm -hmm. they are maybe a little bit more modest and like they do want it covered up so i guess but I think it should be optional. Like, I think it should be, like, blue cloth optional, you know? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know what my tip is when you're doing all these monitoring appointments? Wear a skirt without Drink. underwear. There you go. <laughs> right. Really throw them for a loop. Yeah. You don't mm-hmm. need a cloth. You're just like, what? 
Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Easy access. Mm-hmm. I also think it's awkward when they they like walk you into the room, and they're like, "Here, undress. I'll be right back." It's the same. It's like it's almost awkward that they leave the room just so that you can undress because they're going to come right back in and see you naked. It's just. Ah. I totally agree. I think it's so weird. I'm like, so you can't watch me undress, but you can like go elbow deep into my vagina. Like, (laughs) like, I just don't understand. Maybe they have things to do in the hallway. They're texting their friends. Maybe they're checking Instagram. Yeah. Probably. That's what I would be doing. (laughs) Okay. Section four. Four. Section four. The call. I get the call, which I now have imagined is the Mission Impossible lady with my mission if I choose to accept it. In the morning, the doctor tells the te- doctor tells me, "Okay, looks good. Wait for the call." I smile. You mean my Mission Impossible mission if I choose to accept it? <laughs> what? The doctor asks me with an incredibly confused look on his face. Oh, I like to think of the call as in like Mission Impossible. Like This is my mission if I choose to accept it, which I do. I say with a smile of a seven-year-old kid on my face. He stares at me blankly. He looks down at my medical chart, checking, I'm sure, to see if I'm taking <laughs> uppers. <laughs> he's, he's shocked that someone going through IVF would look at it this way. Okay, sure. Wait for your mission call, he says. I know that he's patronizing me, but I don't mind. I'm in the middle of small group instruction when I get the call. My small group of students wait patiently. They are amazing. The nurse tells me that I'm not responding to the follow-sim as they would have liked. Bummer. We need to add another injection. She already called it into my mail-away pharmacy, and the pharmacy will be calling me shortly. She explains to me that this medication will need to be mixed and that I should watch the video several times. She explains the ratio of how many powders to how many solutions, which I will be mixing. She assures me that this will all make sense once I actually administer the shot. I'm taking diligent notes while also behavior managing the rest of my class who naturally think that a phone call means they can, be, they can behave like Armageddon has arrived. As we're getting off the phone, she adds one last thing. Oh, and you should know that this injection will sting when it goes into you. You should know that so that when it does sting, you don't think that anything is wrong, she says. Fantastic, I say (laughs) with a huge smile on my face. I cannot react the way I want to react because my students are right there. No, did you hear what I said? It will be sore. It will sting, but that's normal. She adds, because clearly my emphatic response was not socially appropriate. (laughs) Yep, no, I heard you. Sounds great. I'm looking forward to it, I say energetically. (laughs) Oh, okay, she adds. Call us if you need anything or have any questions about the mixing. She's worried because she thinks that I'm not getting the message at all. Sounds great, I say. Thank you. And I hang up the phone. (laughs) That's great. <laughs> I know yeah. exactly she, what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Yeah, the yeah. Menipure, Menipure mm-hmm. sucks. Um, Menipure. Yeah. 
But um, yes, the minute, yes, it burns. But that's, a, I mean, that's a true story. Like I, that's when I got the call. My students were sitting right there. And I mean, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's going to sting. Because then they're going to be like, what's going to sting? And I'm going to be like, uh, you know. So I was just mm-hmm. like, this is fantastic. And she was, she was really nervous. Like she was like, okay, no, no, I don't think you're, you're hearing me. No, 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 no. Like she like, <laughs> I pretty much like almost hung up on her because she was like, no, no, I still don't think you understand. And I was like, no, it's okay. Like I do. I just, I just right. have... 24 10 year olds in front of me right now so I can't I can't really respond yeah (laughs) I think uh, people that go through infertility become they really hone in on their acting skills I think because you there's a a lot of acting that you have to do whether it's faking that you're excited about someone else's you know third unplanned pregnancy or like what you just did (laughs) there's a lot of acting (laughs) you totally do I actually I told my one of my girlfriends one time because she knew that a pregnancy announcement was coming um but the other person didn't know that she knew like I warned her in advance and I was like listen you need to go home you need to cry and then you need to look in the mirror and you need to practice your face and how you're going to look when when you're told this. And she was like, oh, that's a good idea. And then like then the day that it was happening, I looked at her before and I was like, did you practice? She's like, I did. I was like, OK, let's go. Like you do. <laughs> you have to you have to kind of act. You have to kind of put on the show because because it's really, really hard. You know? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I also think before you read the last one I still to this day I'm sure you'll agree think it's crazy that they send you send us on our way with all this medication and needles and they're just like oh you'll be fine watch a video it'll be fine <laughs> so I mean I've never given myself an injection once in my life and right. I gave myself all of my injections and and I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it or not you know Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my backup plan was, and I write about this in, in my book, my backup plan was to knock on one of my neighbor's doors who lives like on the street, like street down from me, who I randomly remember from a drunken um, block party, her, <laughs> her saying that she was a nurse. Like that was my backup plan because I had no one. I had no one who knew how to do it. My husband keeps long hours. Like it was just me and this box of needles. So I was like, okay, if this doesn't work, I'm going to go find that girl who I don't even remember her name, but I'm going to knock on her door and I'm going (laughs) to ask her to help me inject this because that's how crazy you are. It's like, it's, it's unreal. Right. I'm just picturing your neighbor, like, you show up on her doorstep with needles and like, will you please? I know. No, literally, I'd be like, hi, we met once and I live in the gray house over there. And can you (laughs) jab this into my stomach? Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, but hey, desperate times call for desperate measures when you're TTCing. Exactly. (laughs) Shots aren't so bad, right? Yeah, yeah, no, the, the stomach ones weren't weren't that bad. And once I figured out, you know, where to put the Menipure, because the first one I did in my stomach, and it made my stomach very, very sensitive. So when we, I moved it down to my leg, which was better. Oh. Um, but, yeah, so once I, once I got, because I couldn't even pick up my toddler. It was so, my stomach was so sensitive that when she, like, went hooked onto my hip, you know, with her legs, like, I, I couldn't, I was in so much pain. So we moved the menopure down to my thigh, which I would also highly recommend if you're doing that. Um, if your doctors allow you to, I would check with them first. But, um, but they, they let me, and they suggested that, and that changed. That made it, you know, bearable. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. I feel like once you do it once or twice, you get the, then you can like do it in your sleep. It's just no big deal. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay, so read this last one, which is so funny. <laughs> okay. So everyone thinks that me. this <laughs> happened like, to you? Yes. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> So everyone thinks that this is made, that all of these stories are made up and none, none, like if you were to call my mother right now, she'd be like, yep, no, that was a full long conversation that happened. <laughs> um, okay. So this is about shitting out my embryo. This was after my IVF transfer. They had put my um, embryo inside of me on Saturday morning. And this was um, Sunday, like evening, like I guess three o'clock in the morning on Mon- early Monday morning. So around three o'clock in the morning, I start having diarrhea, insane jet propelling my ass off the toilet, diarrhea. (laughs) All of us are sick for the next few days. We were supposed to go to my parents' house for Christmas Eve dinner, but we skip it because we do not want to get my parents sick. On the phone with my mother, I tell her about the diarrhea. Mom, I think I shitted out my embryo. (laughs) I tell her dead seriously. You didn't shit out your embryo, she says. No, no, I really think I did. You have no idea how sick we all were. There's no way this embryo is still inside of me, I say emphatically. Oh, okay, you do realize it's a totally different hole, correct? (laughs) She asks me because now she really thinks that I don't know the difference between the holes. (laughs) Yeah, Ma, I know. I know it's a different hole, okay? But I still, this was a bad stomach bug. I would be shocked if this embryo was still in there. So, yeah. (laughs) That was a real, real conversation (laughs) between me and my mother. Do you, your mom sounds like she's funny, too. Do you get your humor from her? Um, I think a little bit. Yeah, she is pretty funny. She's she's definitely an oversharer. She's definitely like she she says everything. Um, so I think I get I get a lot of that from her. Um, so, yeah. And I think I get a lot of it from my husband, too, because he's funny. And I think we bring out the funny parts about each other. So, yeah. Do you think the oversharing is like part of the East Coast attitude? Or I just, think so. I do. Yeah. I think I think so. I think that we just kind of talk about everything. Um, like I know my so my sister lives in Chicago and uh, her husband is from Wisconsin. And I mean, like he's like, wow, Karen, like you talk about <laughs> way too much stuff. He's like, I don't need to know like 99 percent of the stuff that comes out of your mouth. And I'm like, you love it. And he's like, no, I, I really I really don't need to know it. Um, they're in his, his whole family's like that. Like they're just more reserved, more quiet. They're amazing, most wonderful people, but it's just, yeah, I think it's a different mentality. I do. Yeah. Partially. No, I get that. Cause my husband's family is the same way. And I feel like I feel myself censoring myself when I'm around them because I don't want to make them awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean like that when you're at the dinner table with with, you know, our family and my husband's family, like it's hard to get a word in edgewise because there's so much conversation, you know? Yeah. Whereas if you're at the dinner table with my brother-in-law's family, it's like there's no conversation. Right. It's really it's really interesting. Yeah. Or very yeah. little conversation, I should say. <laughs> Okay, so I wanted you to read this last part, which is more kind of like a message to your audience. Yes. I guess I could say. Yeah. Yes. So this is part of my afterward. Um, 
And this is really just all about me talking straight to my followers, to my readers. Um, and uh, this is really important to me because it means it means so much to me. So here we go. I'm gonna try to do this without crying. So I've had a I've had a really emotional couple of days. That's okay. Um, but yeah. The stories that I have been humbled to hear from my followers are the most incredibly amazing stories I have heard in my life. Stories about loss, tragedy, love, persistence, power, heartbreak, detriment, and above all else, the strength of the human will. I am beyond humbled by this experience and I hope that I can continue to make everyone laugh a little bit during such a sorrowful time in your lives. We will cry, we will scream, we will fall down, and we will get up and move forward in whatever direction we choose, given what life has put in front of us. However, and I hate to sound too much like Footloose here, but we will fucking laugh about it when we can. Amen. <laughs> so, and that's the end. That's the, that's the last page of my book. And then there's like a special thanks um, section for people in my life. But yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing the book with us and with all the listeners. Um, everyone, go get yourself a copy. Again, it's on Amazon. And before we do our quick lightning round, Karen, can you just tell us where everyone can find you in all the places? Okay, so yes. So um, on Instagram, Hilariously Infertile, Instagram, Facebook, and, and Twitter, if you just search Hilariously Infertile, it will, it will come up. Um, my website is www.hilariouslyinfertile.com. And on there, another thing that's super important is um, the in international followers are apparently not able to buy the book on pre-sale, which I didn't understand. I was given misinformation about that. So, and I told misinformation about that. So international followers, if you want to buy the book, the link is on my website on hilariouslyinfertile.com. Um, and they can buy the book from directly from my book publisher. It's a printing on demand type of a situation. And they'll be able to get that as soon as, you know, the shipping and handling goes through to their country. Um, so that's important. Also, if you go to my website, we also have merchandise, which is mostly just t-shirts and sweatshirts, but some really funny mugs um, and some socks. So when your feet are in the stirrups and your vagina is just out there, you can put some socks on <laughs> and have your doctor laugh a little bit. Um, but I have socks that say, you know, my uterus is in a bad mood. I'm working on a pair of socks that say, if you can read this, you are inside my vagina. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, which I think doctors You're... are really going to like. <laughs> yeah. They need to know. laugh sometimes, too. Some no, of them I mean, really I need to I learn how so. to laugh. <laughs> what you say, Sarah? You're wearing one of your no, shirts it is, right it's now. Funny. Oh, yes. I'm wearing one of my shirts right now. It says, my uterus is in a bad mood. So yeah, I wore this yeah. to the aquarium the other day and I got a lot of little smiles. So people who were like, didn't know if they wanted to like, they weren't sure if they wanted to come up to me because they're like, okay, clearly your uterus is in a bad mood. If, so I don't know if I want to come up to you, but I got a lot of like little side smiles and giggles. And I was like, oh, you like my shirt. Um, so yeah, so that is also all on hilariouslyinfertile.com, the website. Um, and also on Instagram, um, Facebook and Twitter, I'm not on as much, but um, on Instagram, if you DM me, um, I, I answer, which is which is important to me. I've always been the one who answers um, all my emails, all, and you can email me at contact 
at hilariouslyinfertile.com. And I, that's what I want to do. Like I want to interact with, with people all over the world. And that's very important to me. So I don't want you to think that you're going to get someone else. Um, it's always, it's always me. So if you want to be like, Oh my God, I need to talk to you. I'm here. And that's important to me too. That's awesome. I think I heard you say one time that like doing the book and having the Instagram account is a cathartic experience for you. And I think Sarah and I can definitely relate to that because I think the podcast is the same for us because it's like that thing of once you have kids, you're not cured from infertility and you still want to be connected to that community. And so once again, I just think it's great what you're doing and I can't wait to read the book and just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep going with it because it's a good thing. Thank you. Yeah, the book is like, it's like a quick, quick read. Like, it's really not that, it's not that thick. My husband and I were taking, he, I, the books got delivered last night and my husband took a video and I was like, wow, look how thin it is. I was like, I'm really not that profound of a person, huh? He was like, he was like it's okay. I'm like, you know, infertility is funny, but it's not like 300 pages worth of funny. You know what I mean? So, and we all can, I think, agree with that. So, um, but yeah, so it's, it's a quick, it's definitely a quick read if, if someone wants once like a day or two to read it but yeah <laughs> sure okay. I was gonna read it last night but then I I got overwhelmed thinking about reading a whole book in yeah. a night <laughs> in a night yeah you want to like savor it little few I know. morsels at a, a little time. bit more yeah <laughs> okay we're gonna do a quick uh with just a few minutes that we have left with Karen we're gonna do a quick lightning round for out of the box this is our segment karen when we get out of your box we talk about things other than infertility do you realize that that's funny because like box is a synonym for vagina yeah right yeah exactly okay Okay. i was like are you guys talking about that box okay good just want to make sure no we're getting out of that box we know know what we're saying (laughs) love it right love it (laughs) Um, although I do have just a couple of quick, like, kind of f- fertility-related ones at the beginning okay. here. Okay. So, okay. Which is worse, ass shots or chunky discharge from progesterone? Ooh, I think it's it's a shitty six in one and a crappy half dozen in the, in the other. I would say, <laughs> I would say the ass shots, I think, are worse. Okay. I do. Okay. Yeah. Good. However, good. if you're at the beach... Than the chunking, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, chunky discharge. Ugh. Yeah. Like I was, I was, I was at the beach. I was at Puerto Rico with chunky discharge, oh. and it was, it was a lot. It was disgusting. I was like every, every little bit. I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. I have to go to the bathroom. I have to go to the bathroom. It's <laughs> the yeah. worst. They've got to figure out a better way to administer progesterone. <laughs> right. Um, I know. Okay. Do you have? Yeah, they really do. Do you have any tips for men in the jerk-off room? Bring your own porn. That Agreed. is my number one um, number one tip because you're not going to have really happy, fun, fast-swimming sperm if your dick is not happy and your dick's not going to be happy if your brain is not happy because we know <laughs> that that's all connected. So bring your own porn. I mean, it's so you can get pornhub.com. You can get that's the one at least my I know that my husband used. You can get it on your iPhone. You can bring it an iPad if you want slightly bigger screen experience. We know how men like their big screens. Um, but I think that's my biggest my biggest piece of advice. You should try bring to get sponsored porn. by Pornhub. 
<gasps> I should. I should contact yeah. them and be like, you should like me. Yeah. <laughs> and I've heard that a lot of fertility clinics, like the jerk-off room, doesn't have very good service. So download your porn. Mm-hmm. Oh, you yes, need that yeah. shit on your hard drive, on your yes. hard drive. And you probably yeah. don't yes. know this about Kayla, but she loves the jerk-off room. I love jerk-off room stories. Stories. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I okay, don't love I was the like, room. <laughs> I like the stories about the room. <laughs> yeah. You can yeah. just find so her in there hiding behind a plant. I d- yeah. <laughs> She's going to be the person that, like, when you put your sample, like, you're on the other side of that little, like, takeout window door. That's going to be you. That could be me, and I'll be like, how'd it go? Tell me all about it. (laughs) How'd we do? Yeah. So we share stories periodically on the podcast. Anytime we get a jerk-off room story, we share it. And you're right. That is such a common theme that men are like, oh, the porn is really outdated, or it was crusty, or whatever. Yeah, (laughs) or it's just not their, yeah, or it's just not their taste, you know? Like, like I know some people like porn to look like porn stars, and some people like porn to look like, you know, good-looking normal people, you know? So (laughs) it's just, I think, you know, it's very specific. So if that's that's you, or if you have, like, a totally specific, like, (laughs) thing, like, bring, bring your own porn. BYOP. BYOP. Correct. Okay, would you rather have a vagina on your head or a row of penises down your back like a stegosaurus? (gasps) Ooh. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go with vagina on my head. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to have to go ahead with that. I'm going to have to quote that Betty White quote that says that, you know, balls are sensitive and a woman's vagina takes a beating and just keeps on ticking. (laughs) You know, I I honestly think that a vagina has like superpowers. Like after you go through childbirth and you see what it's been through and just what it goes through in a lifetime. I mean, that shit is it's incredible. (laughs) So I would I'd have to go with a vagina. Plus, like, yeah, plus I always tell my husband, I'm like, dicks just like I like, you know, I like dicks, but like (laughs) they just there's they're not good looking necessarily. You know what I mean? Like if you were to see like a bag of dicks, you wouldn't be like, oh, that's gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) You know, no, like a vagina is a little bit I mean it, it is a little bit prettier like a penis just like a if, if it's like a flaccid like row of pl- penises down mm-hmm. my back I don't it's not that good looking you like a horse no. mane yeah like exactly I think that it'd be hard to clean you know it's just yeah and the vagina on your head like you that's very convenient for oral sex now super convenient Super convenient. Wait, do you still have your vagina in your, like, where your vagina is? So you have two or, like, it's only on your head? In my mind, you have two. Okay, in my mind, you have two also. Okay, good. That would change my answer. Okay, that's good. (laughs) Good answer, Karen. Okay, here's some quicker ones. Just whatever comes to mind. What's your favorite junk food? Cheetos. Ooh, good, good choice. Fill in the blank. Taylor Swift is... Uh, rock star. <laughs> <laughs> What's the lamest dessert that people try to pass off as a dessert? Oh, fruit. Yeah. <laughs> like, Agree. Yeah, yeah, fruit, for sure. How would you rate your karaoke skills on a scale of one to Mariah Carey? 
Oh, um, I'm Eminem. <laughs> so uh, I would say it's, you know, I can't hit the Mariah Carey note, but I could rap Eminem without even looking. So I would say pretty high. Like not, yeah. I don't Singing, think nice. maybe not so much, but rapping, think, yes. Yeah, I don't think Mariah Carey can hit the Mariah Carey notes anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> no, she Girl. can't. That girl yeah. has been rode hard and put away wet. Yes, yes, uh-huh. <laughs> yes, she has. Okay, um, what's the most embarrassing store you might be seen shopping at? Embarrassing store I might be seen shopping at? I don't know. Um, I have no idea what would be an embarrassing store that I would be shopping at. <laughs> That's okay. Did you have any yeah. in mind, Kayla? An embarrassing purchase in your Amazon. Oh. oh, well, yeah, like embarrassing purchases. Like like when I have to go to the CVS that's near my school because I'm, I have to pick up some tampons, but like my students are in line. That's like, like I try so hard to not have that happen, but sometimes I'm like, I just can't make it to the other CVS because of traffic and logistics. So I'm gonna go to this CVS and regardless, there's always there's always a, a student there. And they're like, hey, and I'm like, hey, it's great. So yeah. Right. It's like they know when it's gonna happen and they, they're they all in cahoots. One of them shows up when you're purchasing tampons. For sure, yeah, for sure. Are you kind of like a local celebrity being a teacher? you always see people when you're out um you know i teach in a town that's not in the same town where i live so not so much Um. but sometimes i do like sometimes i have um seen my students out and i'm always like hey and like i go over and i say hi to them i'm like the opposite of what my i mean both my parents were teachers and i think if they saw their students out they'd they try to hide and i'm like (laughs) the opposite i'm like come on over come meet my husband so yeah it's funny I just I remember when I was a kid if you saw your teacher outside of school it was like this alternate reality universe it was super weird like they don't mind blown yeah exactly (laughs) exactly Um, okay one more what's your favorite guilty TV pleasure oh Real Housewives oh Nice. Yeah, Real Housewives or any okay. anything on HGTV. Um, but I think like my guilty pleasure that I'm like, oh, why do I like this? Mm-hmm. Would definitely be Real Housewives, New yeah. York of New York and of um, Beverly Hills. Those are the two that I watch. Nice. And then, so, yeah. so going back to your book, what was your most, in your opinion, like the most hilarious moment of your entire infertility experience? What would you pick? <sighs> Um, I, I think that the shitting out my embryo was probably, (laughs) was probably the funniest moment of, of all of it. Cause I just, I, that was just such a real natural story that actually happened. Um, but so yeah, I think that was the funniest, the funniest part. Nice. Karen, thanks again so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, we're so excited to talk to you. And once again, everybody, uh, go follow Karen on Instagram if you need a laugh at hilariously underscore infertile. Go to her website, hilariouslyinfertile.com, and go get the book. It's on Amazon. So go get the book and go get some merch. The merch is yeah. really cute. I like it. It I'm is. It, yeah, I like it. <laughs> I know I, I gave my sister a hard time last night because I was like, why don't you have a T-shirt yet? And she was like, whatever. And I was like, get a T-shirt. 
She's like, okay. I like it. It's, it's good. It's yeah. like one of those things that gives you an, at, like, it opens the conversation about infertility if you're wearing then, a yeah. shirt like that. Because people are like, what? You know. And that's what so I wanted. Because, like, I it, think that that's the goal, you know, to get people talking about it. Exactly. So, so yeah. Thanks again so yes, much. Thank you for of joining course. us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks, Karen. As always, guys, join our closed Facebook groups called The Infertile Mafia and The Infertile Mafia Bosses and Babies. Follow us on Instagram, too, at Infertile Mafia Podcast. Feel free to send us an email to infertilemafia at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast to keep talking about eggs and balls and shitting out your embryos <laughs> and stuff like that. You can't shit out your embryos. <laughs> right. Don't be afraid of that. But that won't happen. No. In our next episode, we're talking about being an infertile tourist, as in going abroad for IVF. That's right. Yeah. What's that? Medical tourism? Yes. For, for, yeah, we're talking about medical tourism in the next episode. So join us for that. Once again, thank, big thanks to Karen. And thanks for joining the Infertile Mafia. Bye. Bye. Bye.